Did you know that most of your thoughts aren't even true? Well, we are going to get into it today. So come join the conversation. Here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. Hi, today I am so excited to have Toby Fairley with us. Toby has been my business coach for the last couple of years. Toby's also a certified master life coach. And little did I know when I was getting into business coaching, I would also be doing some life coaching with her. And really, they do go hand in hand because our thoughts really control everything. And we're going to be talking about our thoughts and our mindset today with Toby because she's just amazing. She is an award-winning interior designer and a business consultant with over a decade of experience helping high-achieving creative professionals take their companies and their lives to the next level. And when she is not running her two seven-figure businesses, including an interior design firm and a consulting firm for artistic business owners, she is busy leading an online membership community for ambitious professionals. And that membership is called Design You. Toby specializes in transforming home and business environments to maximize productivity and well-being. She has been featured on television and also in top-shelf publications such as Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, Better Homes and Gardens, House Beautiful, and Traditional Home. She is a powerhouse, folks. She is also the host of her own podcast called The Design You Podcast, which I highly recommend you listen to if you want to get to know her a little better and if you really want to hear about some amazing topics because Toby helps creatives design their business and design their life, both to which ones that they love. Toby lives in Arkansas with her attorney husband and her teenage daughter. And again, I am so excited to welcome her here today. So grab your cup of coffee or grab your cocktail if it's that hour and come join us for the conversation. Let's go. Hi, Toby. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It means so much. I'm so happy to be here. Always love talking to you. Oh, it's going to be great. And for all the listeners, there's just, I know, going to be so much to learn, right? So yeah, you have been my business coach and I didn't know I was going to also be getting life coaching and it's been a huge plus. And as you know, you say, you know, your business mind and your life mind, they go together anyway. Yeah. Um, I say we only have one brain, right? We we have have one brain. We don't have that personal brain and a business brain and they're compartmentalized. We have one brain and we bring all of our baggage, whether we're going from work to home or home to work. (laughs) Right. So, you know, you're a business coach, but you're a certified life coach and now a master coach. And I just, there's so much with mindset to talk about. So that's why I thought it'd be great to, you know, have you here today. And, and, you know, due to mindset and having said all that, I don't think I'd be behind this microphone without working with you over the past couple of years. So thank you. So, yeah. So I want to talk about obviously is, you know, with my audience, when you're moving from any major city out to the suburbs, even if it's an urban suburb, because there are urban suburbs as well, where there's still a lot to do and a lot of culture and everything, it's still very different from a big city. Mm -hmm. And it's a change. And I think anytime we experience a big change or a shift, 
our mindset has a lot to do with how that experience might land, right? Yes. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I believe our mindset is involved in everything all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't realize that we think that we live the world based on a lot of facts, but what we really do is just constantly think thoughts about circumstances. (laughs) And so we think it's all the truth, our fears, our worries, and we believe everything we think. And so it's a really interesting shift when you start to pull back a little bit and to realize that, you know, maybe some of these things I'm telling myself aren't really the truth. And they're just thoughts I'm having, fears I'm having. And when we have those kinds of thoughts consistently, we create a lot of emotion that we don't like. Overwhelm, confusion, worry, stress. And the best news is that since it's not our circumstances that are actually causing the stress, it's our thoughts, we can change that anytime. And and I think it's important that when people are like, no, 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 Toby, it's really actually the circumstance that I'm moving. But we have to think about it. It's not because... There are dozens, hundreds, millions of people that move from city to suburb all the time and mm-hmm. don't worry at all. Like they, it's a wonderful experience. And then there's other people that have the same move and it's stressful and worrisome and overwhelming. And the move itself is the same move. Like you're physically taking your body and your stuff from one place to the other. That's right. not what's causing the stress. It's the way you're thinking about it that is the problem. Yeah. And I mean, moving in general is considered a life stressor. But so I'm going to break this down a little bit for everybody, because what is at sort of the core of it is something called the thought model. And that has to do with what Toby's referring to is where we have a circumstance, right? We're moving. It's not positive or negative. It just is right. Mm -hmm. And from that circumstance, we create these thoughts, which Toby is saying they are just that they're not facts, they're thoughts. And you do have to remind yourself of that. Because when you think things, it is funny how you're like, You just take that as gospel, right? Like, well, that's true because I'm thinking it. And so that thought then creates a feeling Mm -hmm. and the feeling creates an action, which gives you a result. So we're talking about when you put your thoughts into this thought model, which is what Toby trained me to do, it has a dramatic impact on how you face and deal and handle and the whole thing. Yeah, because for example, if you're thinking something like we're moving to a town where we're going to know no one and we're all going to feel lonely and miserable and the kids are going to be out of sorts, that's not going to help you at all because that's going to create a whole lot of stress and worry and concern. And we're really just creating a narrative that any given part of it may or may not come to pass, but we're believing it all to be the absolute true version of what's going to happen. And so I think it was Mark Twain that said something like, you know, I've had so many horrible things that I've gone through in my life and a few of them actually happened. Uh, And it's the same concept of like most of the stuff that is, quote, happening to us Mm -hmm. that's causing all the fear, even with something like COVID is, I mean, yes, plenty of people have gotten it, but look at all the people who haven't, who have had just as much stress, just as much worry, just as much weight gain or more. And that's coming from the way we're thinking about it and the fear and the worry and the stress that we're creating with our thinking. So it's a major game changer in all parts of life and business when you start to be able to become really the watcher of your thoughts instead of just the thinker of them. So it's kind of like you go outside your body and you look back in your brain and you're like, wait, now I have a little space between me and that thought and I can see what I was creating with that thought. I was creating a lot of anxiety. And when I'm anxious, 
I eat and, you know, when I do that every day, then I can't fit in my pants. Like you can really start to see like what you create in your life. Or when I worry about this one particular thought and my action is to talk about it all the time in front of the kids, then the kids start believing it or whatever. So you can really start to see where you have so much more power than you think you do, but Mm -hmm. you're also in control of creating a lot of suffering in your life. Most of us are at all the time. And we all do it. It's not like you and I got great at the model and then we quit suffering. At least we just catch right. ourselves sooner or we might mitigate some of it on the front end because we have this tool to help us be more aware. Yeah, it's a self-awareness. And it's funny what you say about that because I had had a sleep coach on about how to get your kids to sleep. And you know, everybody experiences or a lot of people experience when they move to a new house, the kids aren't sleeping the same, right? And mm-hmm. then creates all the stress. And she was like, well, the kids are actually very adaptable it's not the kids. You need to look at yourself as a parent and how you're reacting to the move. Mm -hmm. And that is probably Mm -hmm. why they're not sleeping. And I was like, whoa, mic drop moment on that, right? Because it it does come back to kind of like what we're putting out with our thoughts and that energy that the family or the kids are picking up on, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. Because, you know, a lot of people feel like, well, if they come to the suburb, it's not going to be as cultured. They can't be as successful in their work life. And again, those are just thoughts because there are resources available to us no matter where we live. 100%. Yes. And and in the kind of technological times we live in right now, you can do business anywhere, anytime with Zoom and other things. And so thinking any thoughts like that are only going to create the result you don't want, right? When you start to think we're not going to be successful, you're going to be right. If you decide we are, you're probably also going to be right. And so our minds are really, really powerful. Yeah, it's about having this awareness of that thought and taking a minute and going like shaking your finger at it and being like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, I don't, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's kind so of what right. I did. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, no. Exactly. <laughs> no. I, oh, I see what you're doing there, uh, Toby. Yeah. yeah, I call myself out all the time and I'm like, oh, that's a funny one or, oh, that's a sneaky one. Like, I see where you were going and that's not going to fly because we do have to be our own kind of advocate for our thoughts and what we're creating in our lives. And it's not your fault that you've been doing this if you have, and most everybody has, because most of us aren't taught how to manage our mind. We don't even know it's a thing. We don't even know that thinking certain thoughts are optional and just letting other ones go by, you know, or any of them go by and not like grabbing onto them or believing them. We don't know that's an option. It's almost like our brains just do it in autopilot and we just take that as that's how it is. But I think part of the reason our brains do that is we go back to sort of caveman brain. And there's a lot of reasons why we're programmed the way we are that go back lots and lots of years that don't necessarily fit into the life we're in now, you know? Yes, absolutely. So I find that part just fascinating. It is. Many people have even relayed to me that they actually have a sense of mourning and loss, almost like a death that they go through. For some, it's really brief. For some, it's a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to chat about the aspect of when you feel that way, how you can, I guess, become aware of it, you recognize it, allow the feeling. It's not that you can't allow it, but then how do you move forward from it? Because it is a lot, I guess it is like a death in some respects. It's a death of city life. It's maybe a death of life without kids. That's a different, right? Who knows? It could be a death from career, depending on what's happening. 
Yeah, and all feelings are valid. I mean, that's the thing. Anytime we try to think we shouldn't have them or what, why am I doing this or why do I feel sad or what's wrong with me, that really doesn't serve us. That's not really helpful or useful. And trying to cover those up with things really creates results we don't want because usually we're covering it up with food or alcohol or just procrastination or something that really isn't what we want either. So you're right. Feeling the feelings is important. I think the kind of differentiator of whether you move out of it or not is really just paying attention and saying, you know, have I grieved this and am I ready to move on or am I using this as a reason to hide and to not put myself out in the world and to not go meet new people and to not get motivated about a job or a change or whatever? Because again, it's not just the power of positive thinking. There's plenty of negative things that go with life, you know, but We can find just as many wonderful things about a move. I mean, there's a reason that you moved as we can negative and just being aware and mindful and not acknowledging them. One of the other things I think that's really important here is, which is fascinating, actually, as as much as things change so quickly in the world these days and people change jobs a lot more than they used to and all that stuff, there's still some level of us, some version of us that kind of believes that things last forever. And things shouldn't change and, and we're surprised. And we have this like almost a negative perception of things running their course or coming Mm -hmm. to an end. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean, I mean, yeah, you can totally grieve or miss someone or miss something, but I think I find it very helpful to look on things favorably and lovingly while at the same time knowing like they ran their course or this was how long they were always supposed to be, right? It's really, really helpful. And I think that's helpful no matter what it is. If it's a marriage, if it's a friendship, if it's a job, because we grieve and we're, and here's the thing, there's a lady, she's kind of far out there sometimes. She's a life coach, but I do like some of her teachings a lot. Her name is Byron Katie. Mm -hmm. And she says that when we argue with reality is when we create suffering. And so what that really means is anytime you're saying this shouldn't have happened, then you're arguing with reality because it clearly should have happened. It is happening. It did happen. And Mm -hmm. so the thing itself is not, again, what causes the suffering. It's the arguing with, and it's the, it's sort of that gap between like the dream we had or the expectation we had and then reality and and kind of not being willing to accept the difference between the two. We do this with our children. We dream up how they're going to be. We've basically mm-hmm. designed their entire life. Mm-hmm. And then when they grow up and become their actual own person, <laughs> as they should, and yes. make all of their own decisions and pick their own mates and their own jobs and where they're going to live and whether they go to school or finish school or get a tattoo or whatever, whatever you know, like, yeah. we we didn't see it that way for them. And right. so that's where so much suffering and relationships suffer and people get estranged or have arguments or whatever. And so when you can understand whether it's moving or anything else that happens, where you are arguing with reality, with what is, yeah. if you can understand that, it can give you just enough of that kind of space between breathing room in there to get some perspective and not kind of stay mired in maybe that that sadness or whatever emotion is coming up for you. Yeah, it's so good. I was just having this conversation this week with somebody and like even regarding COVID, there's a lot of things that stink about this time right now, but we can't change it. It's here. And so how do we accept it and take from it 
some good things. There's some silver linings. There's a lot of things we've all learned. You know, you have to see the opportunity in it because like you said, you can't change the fact that this virus is here, that we're living through it, that we're having to adapt our lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? So I'm a big believer in the thing that you really just cannot change. It is here. You have to surrender to that, accept it and like give it a hug and be like, okay, how are we going to do this together? (laughs) Yeah. And as weird as it can seem for something that seems super negative, and it is weird, you have to be careful so that you're not like creating trauma or something for yourself. But if you can access this thought and think, how is this happening for me? Or what part of this may have happened for me? Sometimes that can give you a different spin or a perspective. Now, do any of us think COVID was a good thing? No. Are we ever going to be like, yay, COVID? No. No. (laughs) But we can also say in light of what is, which parts of this, would it serve me? Would it be useful for me to think about it as having happened for me in some way? Now, and don't misconstrue that. It doesn't mean that, you know, something that killed hundreds of thousands of people was the supposed to happen so you could, you know, I don't know, get closer to your kids. That's not what I'm saying. Right, right. Just saying, you know, the fact that it's here and we accept it as one thing, but how could we kind of play with and have a little, not even fun, but just like, you know, kind of explore the different ways that we could think about something. And when we think about them that way, does it open us up and really prevent the resistance and the white knuckling we've been happening, but that was usually fear-based. Does it open us up to more abundance and to thinking differently? And I would say most of the time it does. So be gentle with yourself. It's not that everybody, especially some very traumatic things have happened this year for many, many people. And so oh my it's, God. Not, it's not that yes. we don't acknowledge those and we don't acknowledge real trauma. All that's true. But when you're in a place when you're like, I need to move forward, I want to move forward, I'm tired of feeling this way. These are just some tools that you can start to explore and go, you know, what if I thought about it this way, since my mind is powerful, how would that shift how I show up? And this doesn't even mean to go out to the world. It could be hurtful to other people if you're like, well, I've decided COVID happened all for me. And they're like, well, you know, I lost three of my family members. That's not going to fly. So this is kind of your own personal work, but it can happen in your journal. And it can just be that little kind of micro shift you need to start thinking about something different, which cuts out a lot of of suffering. It cuts out a lot of resistance. And it might be the thing that allows you to grow. I've referenced a lot of people already, but there's also a great book called Anti-Fragile. And Mm. it's about, it's really, and I, I had a recently a friend of mine who's a grief coach on my own podcast. And we talked about the concept of post-traumatic growth. That's kind of what this book is about. And it says you're either fragile, robust, or anti-fragile. And so fragile, you cave and you completely shut down when something traumatic happens. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Robust mm-hmm. is you you survive it, but you're like mm-hmm. white knuckling through it and you're glad it's over. And then there's the people who are anti-fragile. They actually grow from it, which is kind of that post-traumatic growth. And I would yeah. say I have trained myself. I may have been inclined to it, but I've trained myself to be anti-fragile because I love growth and mm-hmm. I love to be in that kind of growth and inspired place. Mm-hmm. And so when anything happens, whether it's that's negative, whether it is this year, whether it's something with someone's health I love, whether it's something in my marriage or with my kid, mm-hmm. I practice growing out of that mm-hmm. trauma or pain. And I really enjoy that being the choice yeah. that I make. Well, they, you know, these dark times and things that happen that don't seem so positive or that are negative, that is how we grow. I mean, if everything was so perfect all the time, how would we ever 
learn, change, yeah, adapt, we you wouldn't. know? We would right? It's it, So we wouldn't is right. That's a beautiful way to think about moving to the suburbs. If you're like, on one hand, I could be grieving all the things I've lost. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm anti-fragile, I would be looking at, you know, how to think of those in a way that serve me. Oh, they were wonderful. They ran their course. I'm so grateful for them. And now I'm really excited about the opportunity. And I love to ask myself the question, what does this make possible? Mm-hmm. That's a really that's a great question. question what does right? this make possible? Because you may be thinking things that you've said for years. I wish the kids could do this. I wish the kids could have writing lessons. I wish we could spend more time hiking. I wish that I could work from home. I wish that we could travel more. I mean, whatever. And when you ask the question, what does this make possible? Instead of focusing all the things you're grieving, that moves you into that sort of growth mindset just by asking that question. Yes. And what typically happens is the majority of people that have come from the city to the suburbs, they eventually get to that. Like they they feel like, wow, in the end, they like that they're in the suburbs. This was just before COVID even. They get used to the lifestyle. They realize all the different things that are that are good. For some people, just that grieving or that hard portion lasts maybe longer than it needs to. So giving these tips, I think, helps them sort of cope Mm -hmm. and deal or even prepare before the move. Like, how am I going to view this? How am I going to think of this differently? And I think that's all really good stuff. One last thing about it. One last trick I play with myself that I love. So I don't like to be told no, and I don't like to be (laughs) controlled, and I don't like feeling like I don't have options. It is not my favorite place. And any of you who know about the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 8, which is called the Mm -hmm. Challenger. Like, you don't tell me what to do. No, (laughs) No, we don't. So, so the great thing about this is when I have a move or a big decision or a change, like we're talking about, if I think about doors being permanently closed, it's mm-hmm. really painful for me. Like I have to move on, like, like I'm being forced to say goodbye to something. And so I just play the game with myself of, I can go back anytime I want. I can move back next month if I feel like it. I can travel there weekly if I feel like it. And I give myself all these options knowing that I may never do any of that, but just giving myself permission Mm -hmm. For this to not have to be so permanent, if it's Mm -hmm. not right for me, it's like leaving the window open, even though Mm -hmm. we close the door, gives me so much freedom and it removes so much fear for me. So anybody who's feeling like it's so final and mm-hmm. it's and that's what they're grieving, I would play the game and and mean it. Mean it that if this I mean if this doesn't work, we can go back. We can do anything we want to. And I think that really helps a lot too because it's the finality of stuff that makes us feel so upset a lot of times. Yeah, my little trick phrase is this is for now. Yeah. Like just for now and let's see how it works for now. And knowing that if it's, then if it doesn't work out, then I can change it. Yeah. And most of the time you don't change anything at all. It's exactly the right decision, but there's just having that little permission to be like, you can't make me love this if I don't, and I don't have to like it. And it's completely legitimate and okay. If I don't like it, we can make a different decision. My mom was really good at always reminding me that because I used to get, when I was younger, especially if I I felt, you know, kind of trapped or like I was being told what to do. She was so good at just making me know that 
We don't have to make things so final. And I think a lot of times as humans, we want to. We're like, I want to cut it off. I want to make the decision. I want to be done with it. But a lot of times, again, that is what's causing the suffering is that if we're making such a final decision and and a lot of perfectionists and a lot of people that don't want to say they're wrong or if they did decide to go back, they would feel like they had wasted money. So all of that kind of thinking is not helpful at all either. It causes people to force themselves into a, a, you know, a decision that they're believing is forever. And again, that's where the suffering comes from. So where my mom would always teach me, we can absolutely make a totally different decision later if we need to. That always was like her breathing life into me. And I would just get calm and I'd be like, okay, totally. I can totally make a for now decision like you were saying. That's right. So to shift gears a little, but it's still about mindset. What I've noticed over the last dozen years or so, people definitely have a mindset about getting their home set up and furnished. And and what happens is they they didn't really budget properly for all the home furnishings mm-hmm. they need. And then they end up really frustrated. Yeah. They don't have enough of a budget. They haven't really planned for it. So they planned really, really well for like, well, what's our budget to buy this house? How much are the taxes? All the details of that, mm-hmm. right? The movers, I mean, all those massive details that we know. And yet they land up in the house and it can go unfurnished for years. Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk about how they can really incorporate the home now and getting it set up once you've moved in, in the same way they planned for buying the home. Because there always seems to be this missing connection and they don't ever, they just don't seem to connect it. Yeah, I think a couple of things there. I mean, obviously hearing someone like you or me saying that don't forget this line item, of course, it's going to be super important. And things cost money. I was recently following a, a friend of mine that I follow on Instagram, seeing her talk about budgeting and how somebody was offended by one of the reality shows that's on right now and how much money they were spending. And she was like, okay, I get that everybody can't spend $100,000 on a room, but go over to like Pottery Barn or Restoration Hardware just for fun and online and start adding a sofa and some chairs and some lamps and a rug and a coffee table to a cart and see if you don't land at $25,000 minimum. Even I've on, had, yeah, yeah, I've even done that exercise. It's not that expensive. So the awareness there is really helpful. And I think Somehow we, my mom and I laugh because she says your dad still thinks jeans cost five dollars. <laughs> uh, your, dad, dad your, your dad still thinks blue jeans cost five dollars, and they actually cost like two hundred and fifty dollars sometimes <laughs> now. But it's that kind of thinking, like we just forget how much all of those parts and pieces add up. So that's that's helpful and just knowing. But then, even though designers and decorators like us don't love this answer, the truth is, if you have to choose between one or the other, getting the right house is also really important and it is an investment. And so again, the interesting thing that's causing the suffering is you're not suffering because you don't have furniture. You're suffering because of all the negative thoughts you're thinking about how you don't have furniture, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Because if you just had no furniture and you're like, sweet, we like slide around like Tom Cruise in Risky Business in our socks every night and do karaoke. (laughs) This is so much fun. We have a bowling alley. You would be enjoying it, but it's because we're telling ourselves things like how embarrassing and we can't have people over and our children have nowhere to sit and I'm so tired of having it on my to-do list and it really upsets me that we have to say we can't afford something or why is everything so expensive? Like just whatever laundry list of negative thoughts you're having about it are causing all the suffering. So 
I think when you can stop a lot of that negative thinking and you can go to actual problem solving, then it's easy to say, you know, let's cut out all the drama. Let's look at the math of the situation. How much money can we spend monthly or every three months or every six months? And now let's go ahead and make a budget and a plan for how we're going to put that aside and start furnishing maybe a room at a time. Because if you're not paying attention, months keep going by and you keep thinking you'll have money and you spent it on eating out or, you know, some my cousin got married and we had to send them a gift or go to the wedding or whatever. And th- money just disappears if you're not really tracking it. So when you can get the drama out of the way and you can just go straight to what do we want and how much does it cost without all the negative thinking about it, then you can make an honest decision of when, when can we invest in these things and you can start to make them happen a little bit at a time. And it's that whole concept of we've all heard eating the elephant a bite at a time, which is a weird Mm -hmm. saying, but like, that's kind of how the house feels. And when there's nothing in there, it feels so overwhelming. But if you really stop the negative narrative, then you can just say, it's really not that overwhelming. Let's set a certain amount of budget and let's spend it every X months. And before we know it, we'll really start making some good progress and start to feel homey and comfortable. It's a much more pleasant approach than the one a lot of people take. Yeah. And I think an overwhelming thought is, oh, we have all these rooms and like they have to do them all at once. And I'm always the voice that comes in and goes, let's take a deep breath. Let's pick two rooms to start. And so, and even like a planner I developed, it was, it's really just about having the plan. And if you don't have the money now, it's like, how do we plan so we can save for it? Like, what's our goal to get this room decorated? What do we think it's going to cost? How much could we set aside each week or each month to get there? So the message isn't like, oh, well, if you don't have X amount of thousands of dollars set aside, then you're doomed. It's like, okay, no, just, I just want people to stop and say, I need to plan for this mm-hmm. the same way I plan to buy the property exactly. because it's an expensive investment. No matter where you're spending the money, it adds up. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And then noticing also your thoughts. I mean, the business person in me and the designer in me agrees with everything you just said. And the life coach in me comes behind and says, notice when you're kind of, beating yourself over the head, or as I often call it, punching yourself in the face with an arbitrary timeline that you set that's unrealistic, that's creating suffering for you too. If you're like, well, I wanted the whole house done within six months, that might not be feasible. But if you want one room done in six months, or if you want to even just buy three key pieces of upholstery in six months. So notice where we're setting ourselves up for failure and suffering by picking some kind of it's the same thing we talked about earlier. It's it's the gap between our expectation and reality. And we yep. have to get honest with ourselves. And so even things, I used to do this before. We lived in our house that we currently live in that we did a full gut remodel about going on five years now. But before that, we lived in it a couple of years and it was super dated. And yep. I was just too busy to get around to it. And my husband would invite people over and I was so embarrassed all the time. Yeah, And he would say, would you just relax? And that was before all of my life coach training, actually, which is funny. And now I could just coach myself and be like, people don't care if it looks like the Brady Bunch in that living room. They just care that you invited them over for a glass of wine and that you cook supper. And they're happy for you to be happy, not to be apologizing all the time and not to be making excuses all the time or whatever. So like we can show up whether our house is finished or not just as confident and be a better friend, a better mate, a better parent, just because of the way we're thinking about it, while also 
working towards having our house be the way we want it to be. Those are not mutually exclusive. They can happen simultaneously. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And obviously there's a lot of mindset around money. So I think your point about expectation versus reality, yes. you know, some people may say, well, that's fine, but do a reality check just, and you don't even a designer to do that. Like you said, go online, fill a pottery barn cart, fill an RH cart. I've had clients do that. I've told them to go do that. And yes. they're astonished by what it comes to, but it's the reality. It's not like I'm not making these numbers up. This is no. the marketplace. This is what it costs. You right. know, I mean, I've yet to see a, a sizable room, even if you're doing that level of furnishing cost any less than twenty five or thirty five thousand dollars if you're literally having to buy all of the you know the upholstery the rugs especially if you throw window treatments in I mean you're getting a lot more than that and people don't think of it that way they're like let's spend fifteen thousand dollars on our house and I'm like it's gonna disappear if you're not very strategic you will you won't even know where that money went it's not enough to furnish a room and so again like you said that's such a great exercise to have people just go out and and just send them to like two or three spots and say, you don't even have to pick things that go together. Don't even worry about like you can if you want to, but like literally just go find a sofa that's this big and two chairs that swivel and a rug that's this big and a coffee table and two lamps and two end tables and see where you land. And they're going to be really surprised. Yeah. So having said all that, I mean, you know, you're right. If it's unfurnished, it's about your mindset with it. I do think that And I think we're finding that out even more that home really does support us when things feel good, when there is a comfortable place to cozy up, you know, and take a nap, when there is a good place to read, when there is a good place to be productive and get work done or distance learning with the kids. And you, in your design, you talk a lot about like how home can support productivity, emotions, mood, and you talk about things like colors that do that and all that. Mm -hmm. So let's get into that just a little bit as one of our last topics for some sort of design tips. Yeah. So how your home makes you feel. So, and a little bit kind of what we were just saying, yes, there are things you can do to make yourself feel better until you can furnish it. So, but we're not saying you don't need furnishings ever because it really does make a difference. And, and again, circumstances don't create our feelings, our thoughts do, but it's really easy to access certain thoughts when you have certain creature comforts, when you have things that feel, you know, create a soothing kind of experience for you and that kind of thing. So changing the circumstance is not necessary. You could literally be happy in an empty house, but it does make it easier sometimes for you to feel a certain way. And so that might mean the colors that you select. A lot of people are into gray. A lot of designers have been into gray for 10 years now. A lot of yeah. the world is. And sometimes that's too drab. You know, sometimes, you know, so you got to think about like, how do I feel? And this is the beauty of either knowing spaces you love, hotels you love, other people's houses, or even looking at at projects on Pinterest or house or other places and seeing when you look at a space, how it makes you feel and what about it makes you feel that way. Is it like the warm wood floor and patina of like antiques and old things? Or is it that it's so edited and clean and tidy? Or is it a soft color that makes you take a big breath of fresh air? Like what are the things? And and of course, designers are, are better a lot of times at helping you articulate this, but you can ask yourself some questions if you're starting to do this work on your own and say, Mm -hmm. you know, what is it? What is it about the places I love the most where I feel most relaxed? What is it that makes me feel that way? Is it that the windows have coverings on them? A lot of people think they don't like window treatments because they don't want it to spoil the view. But then when you go into places that are really finished and detailed and designed well and decorated well, 
a lot of times they have window treatments and coverings because it makes it look finished and feel warm and have dimension and texture. And so just paying a little more attention to that. But yeah, it's really important. Also things like clutter are a big problem for focus Mm -hmm. and productivity, Mm -hmm. you know, because visual noise is mental noise. And then there's all the actual health things to think about, like your air quality and the type of lighting in a space and how that makes you feel. And does it, you know, the temperature in a room, does it, if it's too cold, you can't focus, but if it's too warm, you're going to fall asleep. So like, there's literally so many details that really support wellness and productivity and joy and connection with other people. Even thinking about seating and how many people you can seat in a space and how the materials in that space feel soft or comfortable, that's going to create more connection a lot of times. It's Mm going to be inviting and people are going to want to come hang out in that space where if it's no rug, wood floor, super contemporary, sleek finishes and feels cold, you probably don't want to like most people aren't going to feel like they just want to put their feet up and stay and like hang out and have a conversation. So knowing what am I trying to accomplish in the bedroom? I want really good sleep. In the office or a workspace, I want productivity and focus. In my living room, I want relaxation and connection. You know, in my kitchen, I want to be motivated to make healthy choices and have dinner be easy, but also be calm and relaxed in there when a lot of people are congregating there. So you can have goals for spaces and then make design selections that actually make those thoughts and feelings easier for you to access that are going to still fall into the thought model and help Mm -hmm. you kind of create the the results you want in your life. Yeah, it's important because, you know, uh, some of my customers in the past, if they waited too long to get everything done and they start to get more frustrated and and feel more depleted. And, you know, when you do have a a busy household with kids and stuff, it is important to kind of like know quickly where the boots are, where their homework is, you know, having organization and all that stuff, drop spaces, all that stuff. So I did want to bring that up. Any last sort of quick tips or advice you have? You've given us so much, you may not. I do want to shout out to a lot of the people listening may very well also be creative entrepreneurs. And if you are, I'd I just want to plug Toby for a second to check out her Design You program because if you're a creative entrepreneur of any kind or if you're thinking of changing careers and going in that direction, her program is amazing and there's so much in there. It doesn't, like I said, I signed up for my business and it's helped me with my whole life. So I just Mm -hmm. want to mention that. Thank you. Thank you. I just was on a call with someone earlier that had a one-on-one call with me and we were talking about a lot of the things we've talked about today with mindset and just how she thinks about her business. And it's the same, it's the same thing about how you think about your house. And I do think that that's one of the things in the design program we do so differently is we don't just give you some business tools and say, here, go implement this as if you could have read them in a book. We literally get in there and look at how you're thinking, where you're getting in your own way and how to get you out of your own way, usually, which usually means changing your thoughts or at least becoming aware of them. And I would say that's the same advice I would give people for their home and for their moves to the suburbs is to say, where are you getting in your own way? Where are you causing suffering? Because we look outside of us most of the time for something to blame, whether it's in business and we're like our clients are cheap or it's COVID or nobody's buying or whatever, or if it's people you know that are your clients moving from the suburbs or your listeners, it's still us creating the problem. We're the one getting in our way with our thinking. And so Again, just going back to these tips today that we've given and asking things like, what does this make possible? Or 
How am I keeping myself stuck? Or even the, res- the, the level of responsibility you have to take when you say, how am I creating this negative feeling right now that I don't like? Because yep. if you'll take responsibility instead of blaming, you can actually do something about it. If we're going to go blaming things all the time outside of us, we're stuck because that thing is the villain, we're the victim, and and we have no control because we've we've taken all of our power away. So even though it feels hard sometimes, if you can take full responsibility for all of your fears, emotions, struggles, stress, whatever it is, without beating yourself up, but say, how am I causing this? How am I participating in this? What am I doing to create this feeling or this situation? That's actually a very powerful or empowered place to be. Very, very. You know, it's funny, like if you're thinking, because if you go back to the thought model briefly, and and for those of you interested in it, if you ever are part of Toby's group, you'll really go in depth and learn about it. But it is Mm -hmm. such a significant tool. And sometimes I'll say to myself, if there's a circumstance and I'm having a negative thought, and then I realize the feeling that's giving me, right? Mm -hmm. And then the action that's making me take with a result. I'll stop myself for a second and go, what if I thought about it this way? And I flip the thought to something completely opposite and Mm -hmm. positive. And I run myself through the scenario. Okay, how would that make me feel? How would that make me act? And you really see the difference of like, wow, I can actually release myself from that whole negative story I just made up Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretty much. Totally. And, And I could take this path instead. Yes. It's very empowering. It's like just you- as available to you as the other path. Like there's dozens, uh, if not millions of paths always available to us at any given moment. And we're in the driver's seat when we're willing to take responsibility for how we're thinking and how we're showing up. And also, if people want to hear some of this content now, Design is not currently open. We'll open again in a few months. You can get on our waiting list at tobyfairly.com slash design you. But one of the things they might really want to do is go listen to my podcast, the Design You podcast. And one of the early episodes, episode number four goes into the entire thought model and how it works. Mm-hmm. And of course, we reference it in a lot of other episodes too. But if you like the way I'm talking and and the kind of concepts I'm talking about, you'll love my podcast. And there's a lot of content there. I think we're on episode, oh, I don't know, 150-ish or something by now. We're about two years in or three, going on three, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. No, your podcast <laughs> is great. And even signing up for your email list too. Yes. And then I wanted to close the show anyway with where to find you, but following you on social media and Instagram, there's a whole ton of stuff there. So I'll let you leave the different addresses yes, there. It's are good. And we'll put at, them in yeah. the show notes. Toby. Okay. It's all at Toby Fairley. So that's T-O-B-I-F-A-I-R-L-E-Y. I'm an Instagram a lot. And mm-hmm. I do a lot of DMing on Instagram. So if you have questions, if you love this episode, if you have thoughts, if you want to know more, just shoot me a message on Instagram. That's a super easy place to connect with me. Definitely. Yeah. And you're always so generous with your information. I love talking to you every opportunity I get. So I thank you so, so much for taking the time to be here today and imparting all your wisdom and knowledge. Oh, I loved it so much. Thank you for giving me the space to talk about my favorite things. Yeah, you're so welcome. Okay, take care and I will talk to you soon. Okay, bye for now. Bye. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. It's really important to become aware of your thoughts. And what's really funny is when you figure out that most of the stories we tell ourselves aren't even true, (laughs) I mean, it's mind blowing. And through Toby's coaching, I've learned a lot about it. And I thought it was an important thing to talk about today because moving and moving from such a different lifestyle from the city to the suburbs comes with a whole lot of different thoughts. But that's all they are is just thoughts. 
So we're choosing to believe them. And, you know, it has to be a conscious effort that you make to realize that. And you do have to stop yourself because our brains just automatically want to do that. But I hope today's episode kind of put a light onto that and helped you a little realize that, you know, it's really just about your perspective on things that become your reality. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Definitely check out Toby's podcast too. She has one called the Design You Podcast. Dives into a lot of stuff with mindset if you want to learn more. And I really loved having her here today. So from my home to yours, I look forward to having you back next week. See you then. Bye. So I hope you're enjoying this show. I know for me, it's been amazing. And I love connecting with all the guests I've had on and connecting with you the audience. So it's still a young podcast. And so in celebration of that, I want to announce a second giveaway promotion. I am going to be giving away one of my online one-to-one digital services. It is a $500 value. It is ideal to help you if you are moving and need to start getting some decorating done for your home. So all you have to do to win is subscribe, rate, and review this show, and I will pick someone at random. It will probably be selected within the next four to six weeks. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you, and I hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.